You're listening to Bedroom Beethoven's, where notable music makers break down stories accompanied by songs and melodies documenting growth through their 10,000-hour journey. And me? Well, my name is Cello, your host. I am a bedroom Beethoven. <laughs> Hello and welcome everybody to episode 122 of the podcast Yo, what up cousin? Welcome to the sounds of Mount Vernon You know what it is All these beats that you're about to hear were created between the years of 1995 and 1999 My guest this week is My name is Grap Lover um, I'm hail from the wonderful town of Mount Vernon, New York Home of the King Heavy D, of course, Albie Shore, my brother Pete Rock, my producer for uh, a, a, a notable MC named J Live, a song called Them That's Not, and another song called Vampire Hunter J. I've done a remix for a group called Polyrhythmatics, which involves the legendary DJ Spinner. Uh, I produced for uh, m- uh, my brother, actually, as well. Him and uh, Method Man rhymed over a beat that I created. Um, they did a song called Half Man, Half Amazing. So, um, yeah, just a few of those, a few of the things that I can kind of remember. People probably could be like, well, don't forget this and that. For the first time he met Dilla, dancing with Heavy D on Arsenio Hall show, playing basketball with Felicia Rashad's son, the downfall of Electra Records, and the hip-hop history surrounding Dida, I&I, Rabo, and what lies ahead, as we chat about all things Grap Lava. Before we jump into the show, a lot of people hit me up asking, hey man, how can I support the show? And I'll tell you the same thing every time. Patreon.com slash BedroomBeethovens is the best way, a buck or two to show your love, and I'll show some back by giving you access to show perks. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the YouTube channel, and of course this podcast is available wherever it is you get podcasts. Thank you to everyone who supports, listens, shares, and subscribes. If you know someone who might like a deep dive musical podcast, why not tell them about this show? Alright, from Texas to Mount Vernon, let's connect and sit back. Enjoy the show. But let's let's once and for all, I want to settle some Mount Vernon trivia because according to who you speak to, they'll say that the late Dark Man X was born in Baltimore, but he was indeed born in Mount Vernon. No, he's he was born in Mount Vernon, New York. Um, he has family there. Um, he then moved to Yonkers. I forget at what age, but he moved to Yonkers at a young age, and he was raised in Yonkers. You know, most of his life took place there. There you go. Um, and besides him being in and out of group homes and things of that nature. But the biggest W for Mount Vernon is most recently a big win for Mount Vernon was uh, Felicia Rashad got appointed the Dean of Fine Arts at Howard University. That's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's real dope. Um, I was very cool with her son. Her son was named, her son's name Billy. I remember one time playing basketball with Billy at the house and um, I went up for a layup and somebody, you know, hit me. 
as I'm going up. So I, I you know, I got bumped in the air. So I crash into the garage. Boom! Make this big noise. And she comes out <laughs> and she's looking and she's like, Are you all right? I'm just sitting there stuck, like looking at her stuck. Like, oh my God. Yo. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. He's like, Yeah, he's okay. And she's like, Oh, okay. And then she went back in the house. I mean, she used to stop traffic, man, when she, uh, when she came to the store, like where where she lived, she lived up the hill from like a little this this a main street called Columbus Avenue in Mount Vernon, and we hung on that corner of Columbus and Lorraine. There's a pizza shop there. We used to hang in, and across the street was a store called Superstop. And she would go there and get her paper or whatever. And man, she would stop traffic, bro. I swear to you, she would stop traffic. That's wild, man. But yeah, yeah. Yep. But that's a biggie. That's a that's a dope one. You know what I mean? Um. I don't know if she was born in Mount. I don't believe she was born in Mount Vernon, but she definitely resided there uh, for a good number of years. Now, Heavy D gave you the name Grap, of course, and uh, now we all yeah. we all love yeah. things. I love money. I love my kids. I love cars, but I don't think I have a strong enough connection mm-hmm. with loving things where I think I would put it in my moniker or my alias. What were you so in love with right. at the time where you were like, "Yeah, I'm a lover. I'm a lover of things." Grap yeah. lover. Yeah, um, lover mm-hmm. of, of dance. Love of 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 good music, um, love of beautiful women, you know, just a just a love of a lot of positive things. You know what I mean? Um, I'm a person who likes to enjoy himself. You know what I mean? And, and live and live life. Try to try to live life as fun as I can. You know what I mean? Without being lost in in the in the bliss. You know what I mean? Um, so in terms of that, um, the lover, yeah, that's that's where that came from. I was watching some. Uh, I was watching uh, Heavy D on Arsenio, and he was uh, he was rocking the orange shorts with the uh, with the orange shirt, and he was he was talking about the iced tea beef, you know, just classic stuff. Mm-hmm. And eight years ago, I peep in the comments on YouTube, and there you were saying that you missed your big cuz, and I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually in that show. Yeah, he he pulled out the flashlight and was talking about um, looking at the girls in the dark. That was a Carl Kanai suit he had on. That was the first time Carl Kanai ever been on national TV. His clothing. Yeah, I remember he was performing in a yellow suit too, and he had uh, he had G Wiz and T Roy, and they were all there. And yeah, that was man. that was earlier. That was before Troy passed. This the one you're talking about is after Troy passed. With the um, when he talks about cop killer and all of that stuff, and um, he talk he holds up the the little flashlight, talking about how he look at girls in the club and all of that. That's um he does you can't see what I can see. Yeah, I mean I was watching that stuff like man, that, I, it, was, it was all classic. But you know I'm I'm gonna embarrass the hell out of myself here. But you know my introduction to Heavy D was when he came on Living Single and and uh, you know, I was born in 1985, so you got to cut me a break. <laughs> okay, no, you good, you good, it's all good, man, it's all good. But you know, Cider House yeah. Rules, Life, Baps, are we there yet? Law and Order, SVU, Tower High. That it was yeah, a legitimate yeah. resume for acting and and. Uh, when you when you guys were coming up, did he express interest in acting, or was that? Yeah, he had the talent to do the acting thing. You know, what I mean, he was always a guy who was like, you know, just a a a guy like a, a character. You know what I mean? But still an original dude. You know what I mean? Um, he was just that type of a guy, man. Where he was just like, you know, you know, he was just a character, man. You know, like it. it to me, his just his persona. You know what I mean? Could make that happen. You know what I mean? Um you could build around that, you know what I mean? His persona and it'd be like, yeah, I could even build a movie around this dude. You know what I mean? Or, you know, I could see him in this role or doing this, you know what I mean? So that's the type of energy he, 
he always projected and always had to me. So that that's what made it, you know, made that transition for him probably not a, not difficult at all. That's awesome, man. And I I know you mentioned uh, you know T Roy passing. I'm probably going to embarrass myself even further here, but it was it was just last week that I made the connection that Troy they reminisce over you T Roy. I I I don't know. I just I didn't know the backstory. And I, I got to be honest, I had a very negative opinion of your brother saying that nobody can ever use the California dreamer sample in Troy. And I used to think what producer can verbally claim a sample is theirs. But now after knowing the backstory, I had no idea how personal that song was for CL and Pete. So Pete, if you're listening, I apologize, but wow, I I honestly had no idea. Uh, I'm not sure if that's even common hip hop knowledge or not, or only for like the old heads, but when I found that out, I was like, wow. Yeah. um, Yeah. That, that, uh, that, that, that sample is very near and dear to him. That whole, creation of that track is very very near and dear to him he was actually very depressed when he um went to make that that track out of that depression came that track now you know i was there for the recording the first playback everybody cried charlie brown from leaders of the new school was there he he asked to do the hook and my brother's like nah the horn is the hook That track is very, very special to to all of us, really, but very near and dear to Pete. Um, Troy was like a big brother then. Troy was the dude, you know, when Pete got into a fight on the block, Troy was the one who would bring him to the fight and be like, all right, I got your back. This is a one-on-one. It's going to be fair. It's how it's going to go down. And, you know, everybody respected that, and he did what he had to do and, you know, took care of business. But um, Troy was like big bro. You know what I mean for, for for us. You know what I mean. Um, he was the heart of that of that of that group and the glue in the heart of our life. The youngest of five kids, hun, here it is. After ten years without no spouse, mama's getting married in the house. Listen, positive over negative for the woman a master. Mother queen's rise in the chapter. Deja vu. Tell you what I'm gonna do when they reminisce over you, my God. people who don't know the history of that song that's why when he says that people who don't know the history of it and the, the nature of it the sensitive nature of it um for him they look seeing him see it as him being selfish about the situation and correct me if i'm wrong on this timeline but your your 30th birthday 20 years ago was 9 11 and then also that same year your youngest daughter's born and you lose your father, rest in peace. So that must have been just like yeah, a heavy, yeah, heavy 2001 year. 2001 was crazy, man. Uh, my dad passed April of 2001. September 11th, 2001 was, you know, was my, my 30th birthday. A crazy day that day for me. Um, and yes, my daughter was born that December of 2000. Um, no, my, boy, my matter of fact, I'm sorry. My daughter was born before my dad passed. My daughter was born December of 2000. Then 2001, my dad passed. Then September 11th came and happened. Mm. And, um, so all that like yeah. in a nine-month span. Oof. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, I, and I didn't even, 
I don't think I ever really processed it in that manner. I just was living it. And, you know, my 30th birthday, I was, man, I went to work and I was working at a, a middle school in Silver Spring, Maryland. And I went to work and somebody came to me and was like, yo, a plane hit the World Trade Center. I thought some some idiot flew a Cessna through the city. So I didn't think nothing of it. So then I'm walking more and somebody else came up to me and said, yo, aren't you from New York? I was like, yeah. He's like, yo, a plane hit the World Trade Center. I was like, what? All right, man, let me go see what this is about. Go over to the TV and I see the tower. The tower is smoking. Both of them are smoking by this time. So I'm looking like, whoa. What the heck happened here? And like within a minute of me standing there, maybe two minutes of me standing there, the first tower started boom, boom. And one of my coworkers just busted out crying, man. I've never, she just jumped back and tears just came out of her eyes. She didn't even say anything. It was just, it was a crazy moment. That's when I learned that uh, the Pentagon, after that, I learned the Pentagon got hit. And my lady, my, my wife was working in the city at the time, so I had to go down there and go get her in my little hoopty and my hoopty had no brakes <laughs> and I drove down there and everything was shut down so there was like no trains running no buses nothing people were just walking by the thousands through the street and traffic was moving like one inch every 20 seconds you know and I got down there through that all of that and picked her up and picked up two of her friends and drove them to the train station and drove her home. And then I was like, I gotta, I gotta go get a brake job. My brakes are crazy right now. Not knowing I get to the place and put it on the thing. He literally looked at me and was like, you drove, why did you drove this here? I was like, yeah, that's how we got here. Like, he's like, <laughs> nah, you, you were driving this around. I said, yeah, I've been driving it all day. He's like, yo, look, listen, man. This is a eleven hundred dollar brake job you're looking at. I was like, uh, do me a favor, can you take that down? <laughs> He's like, What? I said, Yeah, I'm going home, man. We got eleven hundred dollars. <laughs> so I just drove it, drove it home, parked it, and then somebody stole it two weeks later, it got stolen. A little hoopty I had. <laughs> but yeah, that was a crazy day, man. That was a crazy day. Yeah, that was all in one span of nine months, yeah. I, I guess on a lighter note, like, I know everyone in your family's in the music. How was your father's record collection divvied up? Like, were there some records of of his that you just had to have? Um, Fly Girl by a group called Intrigue uh, that Leroy Burgess produced. It was only a, a New York-based label that that uh, made the record. It wasn't a inter- you know, it's an independent New York-based label that, that printed the record out, that, you know, that put the record out. And I called the record out, and then I just started looking for it, and I found it within t- ten minutes of me calling the record out. And I did not know where it was. I just I called the record and said, "Man, I have to find Fly Girl by Intrigue." And I started looking, and within not even ten, less than that, within five minutes of me calling that record, I found it in all of those records. I just looked somewhere. I just started looking through these 45 and I found it. I couldn't believe that I found it. The only thing I can attribute that to is the spirit of my father and God. That's the only thing I could attribute that to. That's never happened to me ever, 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 ever. Where I've called out a record 
in a place that I don't know where the record is and find it within five minutes of calling the name of the record. And if I showed you what my dad's records look like, you would trip out. Here's a radio you've probably never seen or even heard of before. So I just went into a into a place of 45 and just started looking through them and I swear to you, within five minutes, that record was in my hand. I couldn't believe it. I said, oh my God, I found it. Oh my God, I found it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I found it. What about a record like, is there is, is Pack Jam by the Johnson Crew somewhere in there as well? No, that was a birthday record for me. Um, Pack Jam by the Johnson Crew. That was, a, that was a birthday record. Somebody gave me that for my birthday. I think it was my homegirl, Tasha Williams from elementary school. Uh, we still cool to this. You got day. good memory. Yeah, we still cool <laughs> to this day. Um, I think it was her that gave me that record, Pack Jam, and by the Johnson Crew. I used to love that song. That was like one of my favorite songs to uh, pop to because I used to pop a lot. And all that, so dance, I'm a, you know, I loved it. It's funny. They discovered and produced uh, New Edition and New Kids on the Block. They ushered in that era of yeah. uh, the boy band. Yeah, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, yeah. Repping Two Hats Management, there was a there was a production coordinator. Uh, Ruddy Phillips? Eddie cousin. That's my oldest brother. Yeah, th- so that song, One for Ruddy, so when people listen to that, that's, it's yes. kind of a somber track, or is it more meant to be uplifting and spiritual? It's supposed to be uplifting. It's like a it's like a, a, a vibe of, about him. Like, that's Perhaps. how, the, to me, it describes who he was. Like, the first part of the beat. Radio interview. Take one. Where it just, you know, you just hear the sound, boom, boom, it sounds kind of a little rugged, and then it mellows out to that smooth track. That's that's how he was, you know what I mean? He had his rugged parts, and then he had his, he, but he was overall a smooth guy, you know what I mean? A smooth, very intelligent brother you know what i mean uh, he was my oldest brother um he would have been 60 this year i miss him daily man he was, he was very special to me he was uh there's nothing i could ask him and he would tell me no or i don't know either he knew it or we were looking it up to figure out what it what was the, the solution was or whatever the case was i talked to breeze bruin on the podcast and we talked about electro records and you know, if you know this, you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting because Breeze Bruin's also a teacher, and he also had a falling out with Electra Records. And it's like I'm, I'm just I'm just wondering what's wrong with Electra, man. You get you get critical acclaim for Center of Attention or uh, the Life I Live, whichever is the proper title, and they they shelve the project, so you guys get disbanded. The album is called The Life I Live. Center of Attention is a bootleg. That's what they named it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if they didn't if people didn't bootleg it, you know, right now they're just now getting the goods and. I, I don't know, like Sylvia Roan, that name rings a bell, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. And, yeah. And I imagine you're probably not the biggest fan of hers. <laughs> no, not really, no. Because, I mean, she didn't believe in what we had going on. She didn't believe in that style of music anyway. her She was there to make those that corporation money, you know what I mean? So she went with what, the, what would make the corporation money, you know what I mean? And it was... The music of the the other artists, uh, Busta Solo being a soloist, uh, um, Old Dirty, um, Missy, you know, 
um, other other groups who had more of a, I guess, a stronger selling point. You know what I mean? Um, DOS effects. And so, you know, and then altogether, even those people probably have their own stories of how she handled things or whatever. Or maybe they have great, great relationships or great situations. I don't, I'm not certain, but I know that we didn't get the focus that those other people got at all. You know what I mean? They didn't really give it a chance. They gave us a, a single, a video, and that was that. Yeah, and it's a shame that she is 70 years old and she just got promoted to CEO of Epic Records. <laughs> see, yeah, see, that's what... That's. I mean, she's a gatekeeper, man. She's going to be there. You know, she has to ensure that 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 other music is there dominating the situation, not music that's going to really stimulate your, you know, provide some type of, of you know, mental power to you, you know what I mean, or, or spiritual power to you. No, we're not here to empower you. We're here to entertain you and kind of almost drug you with the music, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so they got to keep her there. So she's, yeah, she's a gatekeeper. So she's not going anywhere until she drops, you know, so she passes away. And I don't mean, you know, I'm not saying I want her to pass away. Never that. You know what I mean? I'm just saying until she leaves or retires or whatever, you know, however it goes, but she'll be there. She's a gatekeeper. Well, I mean, I even see you still correcting people yeah. on Twitter about Dada's name. And there's just, you know, barely breaking even records. I think they put out Jazzy Jeff's The Return of the Magnificent. Like, they couldn't even help. Even with the with the previous rapport of Pete Rock, like Lost and Found Underground Soul Classics, he made no money off of it. They spelled his name wrong. It's just like, it's almost like they did it on purpose. I don't know if they got that from the bootleggers or how that situation really went with, with that whole BBE thing. Because that version of it is the bootleg version as well. So it's not the original version. And then uh, Pete's relationship with them ended up you know, not getting, not going well. You know, they end up parting ways or whatever. So I don't, I don't even really honor that that record. You got this new, uh, you know, the the Rob O project in you. You guys have been talking about. I don't know how how deep you are into it, but uh, are that you- project with Rob O is very difficult for us to find the time to really work on it because he's a fire chief in Mount Vernon, New York. Um, he's the chief of the fire department there, so you know he's very busy. You know his schedule is constantly full and moving and. You know, he has three three beautiful children and a beautiful wife. And, you know, he, he's, you know, between that and spending time with his family, I'm sure he's, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's probably a challenge for him to find time to record. He has been writing. Um, I will say he has been writing. But um, in terms of him finding time to record, I think that's been a challenge for him. It has been a total hiatus for music. I'll be honest. I haven't made a beat since like 99, man. I mean, I've. I've taken, yeah, I've taken my my tracks and like played with them, remixed them, whatever, whatever. But um, I haven't made enough. Like the one time I made one beat, I was teaching summer program called Achievers, and we it, the summer program was called Guerrilla Arts. It was ran by Gabriel Ben, who AKA Asheru, um, who did the uh, Boondocks theme. Yeah, Ashru Gabriel Ben. He he did a summer program where he had um, different art artists from DC who would have whatever talent they had. They would teach it. So you had songwriters there teaching songwriting. You had like um, graphic artists teaching graphic arts, computer artists, um, dancers teaching dance, 
um, producers, hip hop, you know, producers teaching hip hop production and things of that, and MCs teaching you how to how to write rhymes, all of that stuff. So it was like a after school, it was like a program within this program that was for high school kids. So that was the last time I made a track. I made a track while I was working in there. And um they put it on this they put it on like this little mixtape they made for um for the for the program. But that was it. I other than that, yeah, I hadn't made a beat in, in years. Like I, I wanna get back to it. I have a plan for a EP coming soon. Um instrumental EP where I'm gonna take some of my tracks and like do some other things that I'm like play, try to find people to play over it and you know different things like that you know try to spruce up the tracks a little bit so they don't sound too flat or old or whatever the case may be because you know at the end of the day people always have their opinions about what's going on and what i'm doing and what i'm not doing or whatever the case may be but i ain't i'm not tripping off of that man people some people dig it some people don't so you know people saying i didn't make nothing in 20 years yeah i haven't i really haven't um i'm not you know pressed to really create like that i mean i mean if you know i i create when when the feeling to you know hits me to do so you know what i mean when the, when it, when it, i feel that's the best moments to do it when you really want to do it and you really feel like you you should be doing it so this has nothing to do with you not believing in your creativity you just have to be inspired it has something to do with that too um the the believing in my creativity thing um it's it's a little bit of both um inspiration motivation as well knowing that what i create is is dope you know what i mean um i don't always feel like that do you know if you go to j live spotify page his most streamed song is them that's not 20 years later it's still his number one most streamed song so the evidence is there man wow wow that's crazy like and that see like stuff like that i know like i i, I know that he Got me, he and I created a hit record. I, that I know. Like, it's, you know, certain spots that I know, yeah, I, I stood up right here. Yeah, this, yeah, this is a shine. This is a shining moment, right? Here. This is a shining moment. You know, like half man, half amazing. Them, that's not, you know, those are shining moments. Even Wonderlust, um, because that was like a, a, a how high moment. Like, not on the weed tip, but like, got beats i got rhyme i got i got a beat you got rhymes yeah all right let's do this joint um i forget how denise weeks even got there i think we met denise at another event we met her at another event i think we just invited her to the studio that day and she came down and, and sang on the on on the song but did you see denise weeks on x factor like eight years ago no she was yeah she sung whitney houston's the greatest love of all in front of Kelly Rowland, Demi Lovato, and Simon Cowell. Wow. I got to look that up. Yeah, look it up on YouTube. Okay. Yeah, she was so her her background story was uh her, her husband died and she she's singing on the subway. That's oh. her full-time job to support her kids. Oh. And this was in 2013. She was 41 years old and like she 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 sung and then Simon Cowell cut her off and said she needs to sing a cappella. And she just blew the house down. Wow. Wow. I got to see that, man. Oh, that's beautiful, man. And we worked with her, man. And then after we worked with her, Jim Jones worked with her. Yeah. 
man. That's that's beautiful, man. I mean, I, that's a compelling story too. To hear her, I didn't know that. You know, like once we did that song, man, I kind of lost contact with her. And then I heard on the Jim Jones record, and I was like, wow, I was very happy for. Her. Beautiful woman, you know what I mean? She's a she's a beautiful woman. She was a dope spirit. She was very cool, very down to earth. Uh, we just went in and just told her, yo, just, you know, sing this. Like, you know what I mean? And just gave her something to sing and she sang it. Like, you know what I mean? And that was it. I think, I, I don't know if my man Mechalicious gave it a hook. I gave it a hook. One of us gave it a hook. It was either me or Mech. And um, she sang that joint. Finally took it to Molly's house. And I swear to you, Molly touched those drums for like 30 seconds, man. And what you hear is... Molly's mix of the drums. That's why somebody sampled those drums and used them off of Wonderlust because those drums are so daggone crispy. Oh, that's a, let me ask you a little bit about those songs. Like so, you, you take a song like A Tribe Called Quest, Find a Way, and you have the privilege to be present in a moment before that song has lyrics, before it's claimed. So when you're with your brother and Dilla and he plays Find a Way, We Be Them, Players, are you just like, how much for that beat? Is that beat taken? Oh, that's hot. Give it to me. Or is that disrespectful because Dilla already has people in mind for the joints he creates and you're just there as a peer to enjoy and listen? I would have never said anything like that. How much for that beat? Never that. Um, because at that time, I didn't look at myself as as a MC like that, you know, worthy of even checking, asking Dilla for a beat. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, later on, he did ask me about about me doing music. And it was crazy because it was two years before he passed. Nah, it was it was just it was just, so how that went. We were he picked us up from um the airport in Detroit. He picked us up from the airport, and he picked us up. So he's playing main ingredient when we get to the car. Like we open the car door, and main ingredient is blaring out the car. So we like oh snazzy, you know, big smile. What up though? You know, all of that. He give us the big smile and. You know, we talking and everything, and we riding it. He's playing that. So Pete's like, man, nah, F that, man. Play your stuff, man. Play us some, some of your stuff. I was like, word, yeah, we want to hear that. So he then took out the main ingredient, and that's when he put in We Be Them. He, um, he played Find A Way Instrumental. He played Players, you know what I mean? And it was just a moment, you know what I mean? Just absorbing the greatness of this young man. That never comes into me or my brother's mind. It's about the art. It's about the creation. It's about the soul of the music. You know what I mean? Hell no. That would have been some corny shit to do. Like to ask about the price of a beat. You know, is that taken? Oh, let me get, nah, that's some bullshit. Nah, you don't, you don't do that to greats like that. You just listen and absorb and enjoy. Like I was, I felt like a fly on the wall in that situation. You know what I mean, because I'm amongst two of the greatest, you know, what I mean, um, a great that we have yet to we about to witness this greatness. You know, we got a taste of it, but we about to witness it full on. And then a great who's already, you know, established, you know, who's, who's pretty much cemented itself as a great one.
mean? So I just, you know, I'm sitting there amongst them guys. When they went, I went with them record shopping and I didn't pick nothing. I picked up cameo skin. I'm in some crazy shit. I, you know, be, um, they were, they, you know, it was so many records where he took us. I think it's called car city records. It was so many records where he took like two floors, man, mad record. And they just in there going ham digging, you know, I'm just milling around looking at them, like just watching them in amazement. Like, wow, look at these two dudes, man. They just going crazy with these records. And I'm in there just watching, you know what I mean? And um and just obser- observing, you know what I mean? Um I, a lot of my incidences in hip hop were kind of fly on the wall situations. Um some some incidences I I I tried to participate and you know, some of them panned out, some of them did, you know what I mean? Um I tried the one time I uh just a side note, I was uh shopping beats to Smith and Wesson one time, you know. I remember meeting all of those guys and Sean Price was he's was, he's a wild dude. Uh, meeting him and everything. Um but uh yeah, just you know, sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't, you know what I mean? That didn't cause that came from me doing a promo. Um they did a, a Future Flavors promo over one of my beats. So once they, you know, they liked the beat that they rocked over, so they, you know, come play me some joints. So I went down there, played them some joints, but I we never went any further with it. So. I, I think, you know, arguably at, at 50 years of age, your visibility is at an all-time high. I see you on interviews, articles, you're celebrating and talking about I and I more now than than maybe, at least on social media. Um, so maybe people can catch up on, on your music. I know that there, you, you said there's an EP coming out. Uh, what can they expect from you through the year and, and where can they find you on the internet? I'm going to try to put out a, another instrumental EP through my homie's uh, music endeavor called humble monarch um recordings um roddy rod my man dj roddy rod he's gonna help me he's the one who i put out the sounds of mount vernon with um the, the uh instrumental album that i did um i'm i'm only on one social media at a time i'm kind of a weirdo with that i don't like multitasking when it comes to social media i want to do one at a time so i'm on twitter um my twitter name is hev named me grap have named me grap that's my twitter name and um that's it really you know um just just here trying to you know enjoy life and move through this life as 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 blessfully you know as 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 humbly and as 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 well as i can you know and have as much fun and learn as much as i can in the process i'm glad i was able to catch you at this kind of crossroad where you're you're getting newly inspired and uh i appreciate your time no good i appreciate you you, uh you know taking the time out to talk to me and everything and even to hear my story man you know what i mean i'm very humbled by that thankful so appreciate you bro definitely